0: Ladies and gentlemen, and you non binary folks, welcome again to another wonderful round of My Sister Made Me View It podcast starring Emily, the long suffering yet all patient older sister, and Megan, the younger sister who has a real problem with. Con- Continually interrupting her sister as she's trying to give a podcast on this week. We have another Way of Kings offering for you. Hi, everybody. How's it going? It's finally February, and we've got a fun announcement. Uh, So, for those of you who are in the Utah Valley area, in a couple weekends, I'm going to be the guest of honor at the LTUE Writers Symposium, you know, Life, the Universe, and Everything. Back in our zeroth episode, Emily and I discussed a conference where I paneled alongside Brandon Sanderson. That's this conference. Uh, And I'm very excited to be guest of honor this year. I've been attending since I was a teenager and now here on the 40th anniversary of the conference, I get to be the theater and media arts guest of honor. I feel kind of special. I'm very excited for it. Provo, Utah, the weekend before President's Day. Check it out. I'm really excited. I get to give a a keynote address and everything, paneling, scheduling, all that sort of stuff at ltue.net, and I hope to see some of you listeners there. That'd be kind of fun. I don't think we have any more announcements. You're here to listen to this podcast, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's offering of My Sister Made Me View It. Take it away, theme song.
1: Oh, stop. I'm Sorry. Stop. I need my earphones. What? Spin. I need my earphones. Uh,
0: I'm going to still record. You'll just have, have to, to cut, cut, cut this, this out.
1: out. That's fine. Sorry. I'm just like,
0: wow, I can hear so good. I usually can't. <laughs> I'm just a dummy. I can hear so good now. I can hear oh. clearly now with earphones gone. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It. My name is Meg. My name is Emily. Is that not what we do? We
1: usually go, And it's been three
0: be. weeks since we recorded last. <laughs> uh, my
1: name is Meg, and I should be storyboarding. My name is Emily, and I should be working on my book.
0: But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast. everyone welcome back to my sister made me view it books edition uh and we are continuing on our journey through brandon sanderson's the way of kings and this week we are covering chapters 45 46 and 47 shadesmar child of tanavast and storm blessings and like i said it's been at least three weeks uh since we recorded last on this but Uh, I read it to Emily immediately after our last record, so we had to take some time before recording today so she could go back through it again. So, uh, hey, Emily, what were your initial thoughts on these uh, chapters? So, uh, so listen,
1: whenever we read, I'm like, it's not like not a lot happens. It's like everything that happens is a big deal, even if it's like a little tiny thing. Uh And it gives me anxiety. (laughs) <laughs>
0: because i'm just like brandon sanderson's so good at what
1: he does
0: and you're getting anxiety in slow motion because you have to wait like weeks between each <gasps> does what I mean i can read you the next chapter after we finish recording tonight possibly i'm supposed to watch an episode with
1: dilly tonight okay of a really cute uh
0: Mandarin drama and it's adorable okay what if I didn't read you the interludes what if I just read you the last Shalon and Kaladin chapters of this section it will
1: depend on how long this goes well then we better get into it
0: um also
1: apologies in advance if you hear my dog in the background he's absolutely freaking out I hid a treat under a towel and he has no (laughs) idea how to get it I'm trying to keep him busy
0: your wonderful dog has many redeeming qualities, and hidden treat discovery is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we had a pretty eventful Shalon chapter, and a Kaladin chapter, and then a Kaladin flashback. But first, we're going to tackle Shalon's chapter, Shadesmar. Uh, hey, Emily, what's... What do you think Shadesmar is? I don't know. So many things happen in this stupid chapter. All right, all right. Well, well. let's talk it through. It starts out with uh, Shalon reading King Gaviler's account of meeting the Parshendi uh, about a year before his murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mentions some interesting things, uh, both in conversations they have with the Parshman. Um, the one I want to pull your attention to is one of the Parshendi Sorry, he's talking to the Parshendi, and the Parshendi are referencing the Parshman slaves that the Alethi keep, and the Parshendi asks, where is their music? And they ask this often. Gavilar doesn't know what it means. Emily, do you know what it means? I don't know what it means because... You don't? I don't. Listen, I'll, that's I'll the help short, you that's- They have it. <laughs> yeah, they haven't said it in the books yet. This is this is supposed to catch your intrigue, not answer a question. Um, do you like just like bringing stuff
1: like this up and then just being like, you don't know this? <laughs>
0: no, I want to bring it up so that when we hit this episode later in the podcast, I can be like, do you remember in such and so episode when I was like, do you know what the music thing means? <laughs> because we're going to hit one of those today in the flashback chapter. Something I asked you all the way back in like our second episode of this podcast because it's times a flat circle and stuff uh something else is it get our first mention of a the great shells that live out on the shattered plains which the Parshendi have called monster of the chasms and I think it's interesting to see how the Alethi language has now called them chasm fiends which is like synonymous there you go uh so then she oh you go, go. okay
1: I was about to say so uh, Yasna is having Shalon look up all this stuff and and Shalon's just saying like well you lived this why are you studying this and why are you studying void bringers and and she's asking all these questions and she's being really observant especially there's one part where. Um, as she's reading King Gavilar's accounts, she notices a note from, uh, what's the queen's name? Navani? Navani. Navani. Because you remember, women have a secret script that other scribes can read and see footnotes, and, you know, the men will never see these. <laughs> but Navani writes, My husband was an excellent king and inspiring leader and an unparalleled duelist and a genius of battlefield tactics, but he didn't have a single scholarly finger on his left hand. And she's talking about how he's very, very masculine. And Shalon is saying like, but later he did move over to the more scholarly pursuits. And Yasna is like, uh, Shallan says, why would a man with no prior interest in scholarship suddenly become so obsessed? And Yasna says, you know, I've wondered this too, but people change. And then she says, you know, we really connected over this, my dad and I. And I just thought that was really, really sweet that, you know, Mm -hmm. you just picture Yasna's childhood growing up of, you know, being surrounded in the court and by all these men. And there's very clear, rigid gender roles. And to have her dad take an interest in something that she does and to be able to spend time with her must have been really special.
0: And I thought that was really sweet. So Gavilar passed just about six years ago, which would have made Yasna 28, 29, around there, uh, when he was assassinated by Seth's son, son, Volano, Truthless of Shinovar. My poor boy. <laughs> um, so I've just started reading this book over the phone to our other sister. Uh, one of our other sisters. We have two others. There's multiple. And she thinks Seth is... Pretty weird and kind of scary. <laughs> and it's very funny to see the opposite reaction where like Emily's woobifying him and Mikhail's like, oh no, this, this dude is not great. <laughs> and Shalon is really excited about this, but Tazbek's ship is coming tomorrow. Shalon is leaving.
1: She's already planning on leaving and going and being on the ship.
0: Mm-hmm. And so Shalon makes this excuse about finding a particular biography to do more research about uh yasna's uh father oh first though they do mention that there is this uh mythical city that yasna's looking for oh yeah uh, do you remember the name of the city
1: Uz- i was gonna say uzbekistan and that's definitely not it um nope Thiru.
0: yeah good I- job i
1: read that i didn't remember it
0: And Shallan submits the theory that the Parshendi might know where Urthiru is because they have really beautiful forged weapons, even though they live in um, small huts, you know, made of cram bricks and stuff like that. And then Yasna says, I assure you, Shallan, the city is not there. And I wonder... Is Yasna sure of this? Does she have a way of knowing this for certain?
1: Did she go there,
0: or is she uh, making a biased comment? So that would be, those are the two sides of this coin we might be studying at. Dun dun dun. Also, really quick,
1: there was a fun note in the um, the account where you know King Gavilar sees these people's huts and realizes that they're going to blow down in a high storm, and he asks, "Why aren't you worried?" He says, why worry if the buildings blow down, we can build them again, can we not? Which is such a foreign concept to Gavilar, who's like, they build their buildings to withstand the storms. And it's just very interesting to see these two different societies kind of clash together and just, Mm -hmm. it's like when you go to college and you have roommates for the first time and you're living away from home for the first time (laughs) and... Um, you realize like, oh, well, every family does it this way. And then you realize, oh, no, the way you've done this, not everyone does and vice versa. And then you get people who are really like upset about things that you're just like, it doesn't matter how I cut my apples. I cut them the way I want to cut them. And it's a big deal to other people.
0: I'm sorry. This particular condiment should be refrigerated. Really? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I leave my, I leave. Do you know what? We're not going to document what sauces I do or do not put in my fridge. Thank you. I was about to be properly (laughs) horrified, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, So Shalon tells Yasna, oh, I'm going to go look up this particular book on my own. I I need practice going through that, the indexing system. Uh, But really, she goes to the... Basically the call numbers, the book numbers that Yasna has been looking for Voidbringer things in. And Emily, what is uh, what do we know about Voidbringers?
1: Hold on, I just put a piece of sushi in my mouth.
0: Emily, 30 minutes before we started, I'll get sushi. I can eat that quietly on the podcast. It won't interfere with what we're <laughs> doing. <laughs> Listen, you do what you want. My food habits have interrupted our... Show so many times.
1: Well Megan goes, I'm gonna have sushi. And then she starts reading to me all these really good sounding sushi rolls. And I'm like, well, I had cereal for dinner. I want sushi. <laughs> so I also bought sushi and it's delicious. What did you ask me about the Void Bringers?
0: Uh what where where do they come from? Where do they go? Void Bringer channel. Oh,
1: oh! I've missed podcasting with you. So basically, what Shalon is realizing is that there are all of these. There's all of these different um, myths, all these different stories about how some void bringers seem more mischievous and evil. But then there's sometimes void bringers who would like kill a whole family and then write weird symbols, you know. And some say that uh, if you did wrong, it was the void bringer. It was like an angry spren making you do this stuff. And so there's no real, like, hard, concrete decision. This is what a void bringer is. Um, and so, also, this is where all my questions began to start again. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So it says. Actual historical accounts—the ones she could find quickly—were contradictions. Were the Voidbringers the denizens of damnation? This is damnation with a capital D. If so, wouldn't damnation now be empty, as the Voidbringers had conquered the Tranquiline Halls and cast out mankind to Roshar? So, do the Voidbringers live in the Tranquiline Halls now? And that's because remember, if you're a good soldier in this life, you get to be a soldier in the next life, and you get to like help conquer, reconquer, I guess, Tranquiline Halls. So is that what happens?
0: Uh, So that is the current belief, yes, that in the Alethi's pre-mortal life, the Voidbringers... Sorry, I'm flipping through the book because I'm trying to find the graphic that talks about it.
1: It's on page 762.
0: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That was amazing.
1: I already looked it up.
0: (laughs) You've ruined me. I have improved your reading experience. So... (laughs) We have in the history of man, we have the expulsion, which is the loss of the Tranquiline Halls. And the humanity was kicked out of the Tranquiline Halls at this point and were sent to live their lives on Roshar, which is this world. And then we have the desolations. And these are the things that Dalinar has been seeing in his visions, Mm -hmm. where Voidbringers would come to earth and like try to destroy the earth. And the heralds and the radiance would help mankind fight them off. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have the Arharatium, uh, which is the final desolation and the defeat of the Voidbringers. And that is what we saw in the prelude. But we saw it from the point of view of the heralds who were there that day. Okay. And Emily, what really happened that day?
1: The oath pact was broken. The, yes? Yeah.
0: Yeah. They decided
1: yeah. not to continue the cycle and they left Adam in hell.
0: So, yeah. Uh, we're actually, I'm going to flip back to the prelude and I'm going to read a thing. Okay. So this is back on page three. <laughs> <laughs> Yesria nodded to the ring of weapons. I was chosen to wait for you. We weren't certain if you had survived. A decision has been made. It is time for the Oath Pact to end. Kalak felt a sharp stab of horror. What will that do? Ishar believes that so long as there is one of us still bound to the Oath Pact, it may be enough. There is a chance we might end the cycle of desolations. So are they
1: living currently in a desolation? I don't know you got to write all these questions down.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to answer questions that are things you've definitely already read, but we've just spread out this book over the last seven months. So I'm trying to remind you of things we've read, and I'm trying to not answer things we haven't. And it's a delicate balance because we've spread this book over the last seven months, and I don't always remember everything. <laughs>
1: and then we wait a month in between recording sessions.
0: Yep. Uh, next we have The Recreants, which is the fall of the night's radiant, and you... We haven't read much about that yet, but the okay. Heralds and the Radiants are different.
1: Two different things.
0: Um, and then last, we have the Hierocracy, which you do know about. Mm-hmm. That's when the church the church uh,
1: leaders decide- tried to take over the world. Correct. And now Ardents so. are basically other, like their property. And yeah. Yeah. All right. So there we go. So here's one thing I found interesting is that Currently, like Yasna and all these scholars, they don't know if Voidbringers are real or not or can't get a solid, Mm -hmm. like, handle on it. And Yasna is following this rabbit hole, like, as far as she can, rather than supporting the Revenge... Is it the Revenge Pact? Is that the official
0: term for it? the Vengeance Pact. The
1: Vengeance Pact, thank you. Um, which I just found interesting that she would she's looking for truth rather than revenge. And I don't know if that is a commentary on women in this book or just Yasna or like a family thing. And so I'm I'm interested to see why she's doing this because she's not a fighter, is she? I mean she has a soul caster. Okay, stop. That's a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, she has she's Batman. <laughs> She has a soul caster
0: she can be she, <laughs> All of a sudden, definitely, that. she definitely killed some people. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering
1: why she's doing this now instead of uh, maybe killing a few other people on
0: the Shattered Plains. Yeah, so you're right. She's She is definitely studying the events that led to her father's death. So she's not using the the arts of war to take revenge she's using the feminine arts to you know and is her ultimate truth uh supposed to give her answers about her dad is her ultimate truth something bigger than you know the loss her family felt uh yasna is a very closed off character and since Shalon is our point of view we're not getting a lot of motive from yasna Mm -hmm. so Emily, I think these are fantastic questions and observations you're making. I it's really so have enjoyed this very much. So, while Shalon is down looking for the other... So, she's, she's down looking at the Voidbringer content. Oh, and this is something else that I found interesting, is only Dark-Eyed Tales talk about the Voidbringers. I wonder <gasps> I why the Light-Eyed that. Tales do. I missed that. Yeah, they're all folk tales, and and stories told by historical dark eyes so hmm. um anyway she runs into Cavsol, who has been waiting with Yasna for Shalom to come back for like an hour yeah sitting there awkwardly um and whoo they
1: really get flirty they do What? She demanded, blushing. You just look so blasted innocent when you do that. I am innocent.
0: (laughs) One of the things before it gets too hot and heavy with their flirtation is uh, Shalad mentions how much work it must have been to create the palyneum, which is this inverted pyramid um, that stair-stepped 57 levels all the way down. And then Capsule mentions that, oh, we didn't create it. It was here. The main shaft was here. The Carbronthians just cut out the rooms for the books. And Shalon is really astounded that this formation is natural. And he's like, yeah, just like the other cities we talked about with his cymatic demonstrations he's used in, in previous. Um, and then Shalon asks, why didn't you use this place as one of your examples? We haven't found the right sand pattern yet, he said. <laughs> Um, and so he mentions, she mentions the Dawn Singers. Oh,
1: that's another guess of what Sil is. I guess Sil
0: is a Dawn Singer. Okay. And she asks, could they have created this? And so here's what he explains. This is the explanation we get for a Dawn Singer. This isn't the kind of thing the Dawn Singers did. They were healers, kindly spread, sent by the Almighty to care for humans once we were forced out of the Tranquiline Halls. And... She says, Oh, it's kind of like the opposite of Voidbringers. Um, and as they as they're talking about this, Shallan lets slip that Yasna's here to study the Void
1: Which is news to Capsule.
0: He yeah, he seems pretty curious about this. And then she's like, Oh, she sort of expected him to be scornful, but then she's like, Oh no, he's an ardent. Like, he definitely believes that they were real. Yeah. This would be like telling a catholic priest that oh yeah this atheistic buddy of mine is studying demons and you know i think uh someone from a different religion might be like demons but catholic priests are like oh no they're real (laughs) hey everybody watch the guest on netflix (laughs) with the lights on with the lights on and maybe somebody to hold close (laughs) because it does get a little spooky uh, I was watching it with my friend Rachel, and then we actually stopped because she's like, hey, we got to do something fluffier. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: so here is a very interesting thing because, yeah, Capsule believes firmly in Void Bringers. And this, I had to read it a couple times, but it's very interesting because um, she asks, what made them? and he tells her that the Almighty did as a way to balance out all the good things that he's created because there has to be balance in everything. And that sound, that seems so counterintuitive, um, but he explains it that uh, the Almighty's pure goodness created the Voidbringers, but men may choose good without creating evil because as mortals they have a dual nature. Thus the only way for good to increase in the Cosmere is for men to create it in that way good may come to outweigh evil i just thought that was a real fascinating like viewpoint of like yeah he created everything even these terrible terrible things and it's the and it's men who live now who have got to uh basically balance out and and do more good in the world to to overcome that imbalance
0: yeah it's so cool um Oh yeah, Uh, here is where Capsule also talks a little bit more about the the history steps we just walked through. So, um, the Voidbringers were an embodiment of evil. They, uh, and I'm going to... Kind of condensed together two different paragraphs where Capsule talks about this. They came upon mankind, so they cast us from the Tranquiline Halls, then they tried to destroy us here on Roshar. They weren't just Spren that hid under rocks and came out to steal someone's laundry, you know, like in the fairy tales. They were creatures of terrible destructive power, like you said, created from hate. So we fought them off 99 times, led by the Heralds and their chosen knights, the 10 orders we call the Knights Radiant. Finally, a heriatium came, the last desolation. The Voidbringers were cast back into the tranquiline Halls. The Heralds followed to force them out of heaven as well, and Roshar's heraldic epics ended. Mankind entered the era of solitude, the modern era. Um, So for me, this is like um, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table was similar to the heraldic era, and now uh the legends say that you know one day king arthur will like wake again and bring his sword and take the throne of england and all that (laughs) stuff but uh hey emily how many orders of knights radiant are there
1: so interesting meg that you would ask that because there are (gasps) 10
0: and there's 10 heralds interesting yeah um now emily from what you know about the heralds at the beginning What happens to them in between desolations? They
1: fall, right?
0: Uh, No, what happens? They disappear. They go somewhere. They disappear. Yeah, what what happens to them in between the desolations? Oh, they die. They go to hell. If they die, right, yeah. Okay, good, good. Good. Sorry, I was like. The floor is painted. (laughs) (laughs) The scare floor will be um so when a herald dies during a desolation they go somewhere and then at the end of the desolation the ones who lived are supposed to voluntarily go to this place and you've likened it to hell uh what happens to them in between desolations
1: um from what i recall not great things like (laughs) torture-esque at the very least
0: yeah oh yeah (laughs) torture-ist (laughs) Oh, <laughs> he says torture esque, and then I was like torture
1: <laughs> Oh, I uh, so sorry. I I know it sounds like I'm jumping, but like continuing on that line. Um, so the heralds are the ones that die and get reborn over and over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that mm-hmm. the radiance? Do they do that, or do they pick new radiance every single time?
0: Uh, I'm not entirely sure. We've only seen two radiants in a dream of Dalinar's. Okay. Um, Because, here's why I ask,
1: um, because Capsule thinks that Yasna is trying to prove that Voidbringers aren't real, and that she wants to demonstrate that this was all a fabrication of the radiance. And so I'm confused as to who the, the radiance okay, so, are. So,
0: Right. Um, The Sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking up for that big fancy word that was the middle one again. What was it, 762? That big fancy word is the Archeratium. So that was the last desolation, the defeat of the Voidbringers. That was the prelude. And so that's when the Heralds vanished and everyone believed that, oh my gosh, we did it. The Voidbringers are gone for real. And then... The next age in the history of man is the recreants which is the fall of the knights radiant. Okay. So this would mean that there was some space of time between the disappearance of the herald and the vanishment of the knights. The vanishment, <laughs> vanishing, the vanishing of the knights radiant. Got it. Emily, I am going to give you a flashback I'm just ready. for you. Okay. Uh, so when dalinar had the vision about being the man on the farm fighting with the wife and, and trying to save the daughter mm-hmm. here we go dalinar turned to find the male shard regarding him like these two shard bearers showed up the man and the woman to, to help them where had the man's helm gone the Shardbearer stood with his blade resting on his armored shoulders and he inspected dalinar with eyes of such bright blue they were almost white were those eyes actually glowing leaking stormlight His skin was dark brown like a makabaki, and he had short black curly hair. His armor no longer glowed, though one large symbol emblazoned across the front of the breastplate still gave off a faint blue light. Dalinar recognized the symbol, the particular pattern of the stylized double eye, eight spheres connected with two at the center. It had been the symbol of the Lost Radiance, back when they had been called the Knights Radiant. Okay. And then we're going to skip a little further down. And when the knight is talking to Dalinar and he says, no words for me, I see. The knight said, very well. But should you wish to put that mysterious training of yours to use, come to Urethiru. Urethiru, Dalinar said, he'd heard the name somewhere. Yes, the knight said, I cannot promise you a position in one of the orders. That decision is not mine. But if your skill with the sword is similar to your skill with a heart-tending implement, I am confident you will find a place with us. Spread the word. Signs like this one are not of import. A desolation is coming, and the the shard bearers. Uh, sorry, I'm 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 giving you as much relevant knight's radiant information as I know that you've you've already read. So he asks the other knight questions and he asked, what kingdom am I in? And she says, this is Natanatan. Dalinar released an inhaled breath. Natanatan. The shattered plains lay in the land that had once been Natanatan. The kingdom had fallen centuries ago. And you fight for Natanatan's king, he asked. She laughed. The Knights radiant fight for no king and all of them. Then where do you live? Ur-Thiru is where our orders are centered, but we live in cities all across Alethala.
1: I'm go. waiting for a road to El Dorado moment. Where or like an Indiana Jones moment where like Shalon and Yasna like actually go into some archaeological dig and find stuff. I'm very excited for the road trip episode.
0: All right. So, um, uh back to shalon and capsule thank you for going with us on that tangential road (laughs) so capsule is saying you
1: know well look look what yasna's doing she's gonna she wants to prove this is wrong and he gets really worked up about it i mean this is not just his religion because his religion is his life i mean it's it's not one or the other this is his life and he gets so worked up um and he says, uh, "Haven't we been scourged enough? The ardents are no threat to her. We're not a threat to anyone these days. We can't own property. Damnation! We're property ourselves." And he's just like, "He's just like we, we have no teeth. We have no tusks. We have no nothing." And he's just like, he has to like cut himself off. And Shalon's just Real like, upset. "Oh, oh man." And um, and he's like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." And she decides. Now is the time to tell him. Hey, Council. Guess <laughs> what? I'm leaving.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! And then he's like, "I'll come with you." Ah, uh, this reminds me of my one and only official boyfriend, who I had for one week. In one college. week, Joe. And, and listen, we we were. We were flirting and friendly for a couple months preceding that, but we were only official where he's like, my family thinks that of you as my girlfriend. And I'm like, well, I guess my family could think of you as my boyfriend. We were only like official, official for one week, freshman year of college. And by the end of the week, I was like, oh, I don't actually like this guy like this. And... I didn't want to hurt his feelings, so I was trying to let him down as easily as I could. And one of the reasons that I gave was like, hey, I'm going to be moving across the country in a month because I'd gotten a job in Florida. And so we we did the whole breakup thing, and I and I said goodbye. And he, uh, he came back two hours later and knocked on my door, and he's like, I'll get a job in Florida, too. I'll move there with you. And I was like, no um thank you but no and then that time I had to be harsher and I felt so bad I've never listen I know I was like you like me more than I like you this is unfair to you anyway it was I felt more badly about the fact that I had to break up with him than I did about losing a boyfriend. I don't know it was complex it was very (laughs) sad and Joe if you're out there apologies man (laughs) <laughs> oh but anyway um so she uh capsule is like he's like i could leave the church to come be with you and she's like um no <laughs> <laughs> thanks but no thanks <laughs> uh, no th- no thank you. um and so capsule is like i can see from your expression it's not an option it seems I've misinterpreted some important things. <laughs> uh, but then he he asks her if, if he can still get a sketch because she sketched so many of the other artists instead of him. And so, uh, Emily, she uh, she draws Capsule. She does.
1: Um, and so she takes him back up to where
0: um, Yazda City. sitting. <laughs> Well, because she does, she does one picture of just him, just like. Wait, yes. stop!
1: I'm. Hey, listen, I'm gonna get there, okay?
0: No, no oh, well, I want to tell you why she take, she takes him back to Yasna's quarters. Oh, okay. Because she draws just a picture of him right there and gives it to him. It's like you need to spray it with lacquer, and he's like, "It's beautiful." No, she doesn't. I want another one. I want one of the no, two of us to stop. Get yes. No, Emily, bottom of page 793. She nodded as
1: the lift finally shuttered to a halt. She walked down the dark hallway, capsule following with the lanterns. Yasna looked up appraisingly oh. as Shalon entered their alcove.
0: Sorry, you are correct. I thought she drew him once down there and then they go back yeah. to... I apologize, I will cut. I will everyone. cut that out.
1: How's that? I'll cut it you, out.
0: You don't have to. People should know I'm valuable. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh... So, um, she blinks and takes a memory of him and starts sketching, and he doesn't move. He just stays there, and he doesn't say anything, and she doesn't tell him he can move around because she doesn't want to talk to him right now because it's just very awkward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So back to one week, (laughs) Joe. Sorry, this is just, this is the relationship in my life that most closely resembles, I think, what Shallan and Capsule have. Um... There was a day where he played me the guitar and sang to me. Oh, no. And just kept eye contact. And it was not to my liking. (laughs) Was it the piano? I can't remember if it was piano or guitar. But he sang me something and kept (laughs) eye contact with me. And I'm like, I am not about this. (laughs) Hey, hey, Meg.
1: Hey, Meg, what's the name of the, the, the guy who walks around? that has a guitar and plays you stuff. Okay, this
0: was completely different. Oh my gosh. Okay, well now I have to apologize to Matt, who was a classmate of mine in the animation program uh, a couple years later. And he he had brought his guitar to class for a while and, and he was playing it for me. And he's like, Megan, what's that word? It's like... It's what you call someone who, like, they carry a guitar around everywhere and they play it all the time. And I thought he was quoting a very Potter musical by Team Starkid. Because that was pretty much word for word something that Harry says in that show. Uh, And He's like, yeah, I carry my guitar and play songs everywhere. In the muggle world, I'm what people call a (laughs) douchebag. So Matt was like, what do you call that person? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) a douchebag. And he just looks at me and he's like a troubadour and i'm like i am am so so (laughs) that's why papa says she'll never get married (laughs) this is why i'm a light eyed spinster (laughs) i'm bad at it so now we apologize to matt matt if you're out there (laughs) i'm (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh
1: boy oh boy So what he does is he's going to pay for it. And she's like, no, it's a gift because he's going to pay for it out of using a brome. I think it's a ruby brome, something, a garnet brome Mm -hmm. from the lantern, which technically he, it's not his to give away. And, and she's like, no, it's a gift. If you pay for it, then it's not a gift. And he's like, well, I'll commission another one. Like, he's just like, he really wants to like give her something. To remember Shallan, him by. To remember him by. So she's like, oh, okay. So she puts it in her safe pouch. She takes it and she takes a mirror and has him stand there and hold the mirror up because he wants one of the two of them together. And so she she doesn't like drawing herself. She's like, it feels weird, but she has him hold the mirror about where her head would be and angle it so she can see her face and um, takes a memory like that. And she's like, okay, now you can sit down and everything.
0: Well, and guess what happens next, guys? What does happen the next time? Did you guess?
1: Did everybody guess? Are you ready? <laughs> um she's sketching, she's sketching, she's sketching, and the same thing happens that happened with the king of Carbranth of is that she is drawing figures that are not there, that do not have heads. <sighs> and she's like, ah! I <laughs> Yep. So it says, okay, here's here's what it says. A figure that really a figure that wasn't really there, a figure with a sharp angular symbol hovering above its collar instead of a head. And I told Megan, I'm envisioning these guys (laughs) with the swear word stand-in symbols (laughs) where their head (laughs) should be.
0: Very scary. Profanity is scary. Mm -mm. So, all right.
1: So Shalon just takes off. And every so often, though, th- this is not something I would have thought of. I would have been too scared. But sh- I guess she's figuring, like, she wants to get all the information she can or whatever. But she stops every so often and, like, blinks and takes a memory or, like, looks and sketches without looking at the drawing. Just, like, sees an open, empty balcony and will sketch and look down and there's the figure there. And she is mm-hmm. freaking out, which she should be, and she says, Where do you run when you're going mad? Like, how do you run from yourself? And I'm like, Ooh, ooh, I feel that.
0: Ooh. Uh, two important intercuts. First, Shalon basically does the uh Olive Garden date meme where she shoves all of her things into her bag and says, <laughs> I have to go right now immediately. And Caps was like, No, wait, and like Yasna watches her go, and so like I try to imagine from their point of view but yes it's like watching these two have a messy breakup <laughs> <sighs> or it's like at the end of popular where elf was like I have to go <laughs> Glenn is like you're welcome but they uh she does this thing where she takes a memory capital m and that's when she sketches them so mm-hmm. uh, i think that may indicate that her ability to capture a scene and then draw it might have more of a of a special magical indication to it than we have currently thought
1: because it's not just one after a while like more and more of these things are following her and just kind of cornering her till she has nowhere else to go
0: i got to read this part out loud to emily and she was like ah, ah, it's so scary!" <laughs> and
1: so um she ends up running into her bedroom and is sitting on the bed and draws another one. It's like she draws the room and these things are like right next to her reaching for her. And so she jumps to her feet, drops everything. Okay guys, here's where we're gonna go on the conspiracy train. Um, because she says she's trying to get the soul caster out but she's like, okay. I don't know how to use it. This is stupid. I'm super helpless except and then she says Storm, she thought, frantic. I can't use that. I promised myself. She began the process anyway. Ten heartbeats to bring forth the fruit of her sin, the proceeds of her most horrific act. Is that a shard blade, Megan? Does she have a shard blade? Because if she has a shard blade, how do you get a shard blade? You have to kill the other person who has one. Was it her dad? Did she kill her dad? Is that her greatest sin? What
0: is happening so you've just asked me a bunch of very good questions but unfortunately the book hasn't answered any of them what's the point of you i am here to guide you on your journey through this book series and to make it as slow and painful as possible (laughs) well one of those things is happening (laughs) you guys Emily has begged me, like, every week. She's like, can we record about these chapters yet? Can we record about them? And I have to be like, no, I have have storyboards. No, I have a pitch meeting. No, I have a deadline.
1: (laughs) And I, like a great co-host, have not read ahead. You guys, you don't understand. Mm. I could have read this book already, but I'm not. I'm holding out for a hero. So this
0: is... It's in May 2021 right now, and this has been probably the busiest month of my life, uh, including me going to get my second COVID shot. Hooray! Uh, And I found out I have to move because my landlady wants to sell my apartment, and I have to get guys in to fix my fridge. Anyway. And then all the work stuff piling on. It's a lot of stuff and it feels like it's happening all at once. So we did record Roswell last week. (laughs) And I don't know if I've mentioned this in that episode or not, but I just brought my keyboard and my microphone onto the floor and I just lied down on the floor to record the podcast (laughs) because I'm like, it's too hard to be vertical right now.
1: Ah. the things we do for our wonderful listeners who we love so much
0: yeah right now there's a bottleneck to getting our podcast episodes out and it's me (laughs) i'm the bottleneck i have to design our logo (laughs) (laughs) once i do you guys can finally listen to this and hopefully you're listening to this six months from now when these episodes anyway anyway make sure you tell her how much you
1: like the logo because it's going to be amazing i believe in you so hard
0: Emily, we stopped right in the middle of this really tense scene. (laughs) We did stop right in the middle, sorry. (laughs) Anyways, where you were like, does Shallan have a shard blade? And then she is interrupted partway through her 10 heartbeats by a voice that asks, what are you? She falls to her knees. She reaches out to steady herself. She ends up touching this glass goblet. What am I? She whispered. I'm terrified. This is true. The bedroom transformed around her. Emily, I want you to read the description of this place.
1: Okay. The bed, the nightstand, her sketch pad, the walls, the ceiling, everything seemed to pop, forming into tiny dark glass spheres. She found herself in a place with a black sky and a strange small white sun that hung on the horizon too far away.
0: All right. Now I want you to flip to the very beginning of this chapter. Oh. Are we about to come full circle? I want you to look at the image that's in the front of the Shalon chapters, which I asked you about when we first read Shalon, And you were like, I don't know what it is. Wait, the beginning of this chapter? yep beginning of this chapter 778 can you describe the image at the front of this chapter it's dark except for a white small looking thing far away in the distance it's uh it's a little white sun reflected on a dark ocean it's very cool and emily this is a picture of shadesmar ah! and this has been at the front of every Shalon chapter all the way through the book So has she gone to this place or is she just seen this place? Well, this is her first time telling us about it. And it seems like the first time for her. And she she describes a lot of cool stuff in here that there's these candle flames, maybe hundreds, like floating just in the air around her. Uh, She hits the ocean and she like goes down in it instantly and she hears another voice in her mind asking, do you want me to change? And she's she's holding this bead and it's talking to her. And it's saying, I've been, you know, this way for a long time. I sleep so much. I will change. Give me what you have. And walk like, I don't know what you mean. Help me. I will change. She felt suddenly cold as if the warmth were being drawn from her. She screamed as the bead in her fingers flared to sudden warmth. Uh, so she drops it she ends up back in her bedroom and what happens to the goblet on her nightstand table it melts
1: into blood
0: <laughs> oops and so just a goblet's a physical goblet's worth of blood just splashes suddenly uh all over the nightstand and the floor what does she think has just happened it's her thought in italic she thinks that
1: she has soul cast something Uh, She changed the goblet into blood, which was one of the ten essences. And have they listed any
0: essences?
1: Ten. And they've mentioned, I want to say they have mentioned these ten essences before. Have they listed them? Is it like fire, water, blah, 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 or is it something else?
0: Okay, they haven't listed them in the book, but it's in the the notes at the back of the book. I am going to give them to you because I think um, Yast has mentioned three or four of them. But I'm going to list to you the ten essences. Here they are. Zephyr, Vapor, Spark, Lucentia, Pulp, Blood, Tallow, Foil, Talus, and Sinew. Gross. Those are the names of the essences. Each of these essences have like a different soul casting property and different... um. Gems give you a different soul casting property. So do you remember what three gems were in Yasna's soul caster? It's a black one, a white one, and a red one, I think. But I don't remember what kind they are. So it's a smokestone, a diamond, and a garnet. Smokestone is for vapor. That soul casts opaque gas, smoke, and fog. A diamond is the essence of lucentia. That soul casts quartz, glass, and crystal. And a garnet is the essence of blood, and it soul casts blood and all non-oil-based liquids. So those are the those are the things that uh, Yasna probably used to soul cast the dudes in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> so Yasna is banging at the door, being like, "Shalon, are you okay?" And Shalon's like, "There's blood everywhere. What do I do?" <laughs> What does she do? She,
1: um, well, first of all, here's the thing. She is a true intellectual because she is thinking about this way too long. Because she's like, uh, Yasna would see. She'd know blood where there should be none. One of the ten essences. Like, I don't think that would be Yasna's first thought. Is like, oh, one of the ten essences. Like, I just, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. Shalon is really overthinking this. Anyways... Shalon uh, takes, like, a broken a picture that has broken um, during this whole thing and cuts her hand and, like, lays down artfully so it looks like she's fallen and, like, cut herself and there's blood everywhere.
0: She actually does put a gash in her arm. Not deep enough to, to like, result in this kind of blood, but enough that if somebody's just looking at it, they'd be like, good sir, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> and so... um, and so everyone runs in and
1: she's, like, you know, mumbling, like, oh, I'm really conscious. Oh, no. But she's, like, holding the soul caster, too, because she just doesn't want people to find it out. And she says, this Shallan thought will not end well. <laughs> so there
0: you go! Well. Uh, so that was a pretty long Shallan chapter and a lot of stuff happened. Uh, and next we go to a Kaladin chapter that's a Slightly less intense. Um, But it opens up with uh, Kaladin having a dream. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, we haven't mentioned the epigraphs. Uh, So the the epigraph in front of Shallan's chapter is, Yelignar, called Blightwind, was one that could speak like a man, though often his voice was accompanied by the wails of those he consumed.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Uh, Yeah. And then the epigraph in front of Kaladin's is though I was due for dinner in Vaden City that night I insisted upon visiting Kolinar to speak with Tivbet the tariffs through Uruthiru were growing quite unreasonable by then the so-called radiance had already begun to show their true nature
1: I wrote so-called radiance and I wrote a question mark
0: uh we're gonna flip to the map real fast at the beginning and of the book. I want to know, at the beginning of the book, and I want to know if you can find, it's not called Vaden City these days, it's called Vadenar. I want you to find Vadenar and Kolinar. I found Kolinar. It's on the, the right hand of the thing, right up mm-hmm. right by Alethkar. And what was the other one? Vadenar. And I'll give you a hint that Shalon is Vaden. There's a
1: Valoth. Oh, I see Vadenar. Ved, it's by yep, the
0: that's it is there any possible way you could get from one city to the next in a day
1: absolutely not
0: hmm. <sighs> there's another little uh, uh fun mystery you you can if you pay a tariff to earth for something so keep your eyes open for what earth would would do that how how earth would accomplish that anyway Kaladin has a dream. What is Kaladin dreaming about?
1: He dreams he is the storm. And I'm taking this to be like a high storm, like it that's that's gotta be what it is. But he flies like all over it seems like he flies all over Roshar and he sees a bunch of different places and a bunch of different people. Um, he sees it says the the shattered plains, the horn eater peaks. Um, he sees a bunch of armies. How many wars was the world fighting? Was there nowhere that was at peace? Um, he sees people who are dark skinned like Sigzil, who's one of the people in his uh, battalion. Um, he sees people his bridge with bridge crew. He sees yeah, he sees his bridge crew westward, flashes of like he just sees everything. And guess who he sees in all of this? Who? Who
0: could it who could it be now? <laughs>
1: A man stood over two corpses, his pale head shaved, his clothing white. The murderer held a long, thin sword in one hand. He looked up from his victims and almost seemed to see Kaladin. He had large, shin eyes. Mm-hmm. I think it's
0: Seth. And Emily, so how could... And, and Kaladin finds out from talking to Sigsa later that the stuff he saw in his dream was real. How's, how's Kaladin having this kind of dream? So I don't know if he is seeing the past, the
1: present, or the future. I don't know how that's working, but I, I don't know. Because hmm. a voice speaks to him, telling him that the Oath Pact was shattered. Men ride the storms no longer. The Oath Pact is broken, child of honor. Which Kaladin says he doesn't understand. Emily doesn't understand either, because if men ride the storms no longer, what is Kaladin doing?
0: maybe it's saying maybe it's saying uh don't get in the storm anymore you're not allowed (laughs) because the oath pact is broken
1: and he says odium comes most dangerous of all the 16. where in the world has this number 16 come from it's only supposed to be 10.
0: you are correct that on this world it's only supposed to be 10. But I want you to think back to when you read, all right, guys, we're getting into the Cosmere cosmology, because I promised Emily we would. 16 is a very significant number in the Mistborn trilogy. Okay. There are 16 total medals. Uh And if you remember in uh, The Hero of Ages, the final book in Era 1, the Mist is making one in every 16 people either uh, so the mist is attacking one in every 16 people and of those one in every 16 people one in every 16 of those becomes uh, an atium burning misting uh, so while 10 is the significant number of ro- on Roshar 16 is a hint in the wider Cosmere mythology Okay, I will accept that. To connect two pieces together, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out with this. Okay. Okay. Most dangerous of all the sixteen, odium. This odium, this would put him on the same level as ruin and preservation, who we met in the Mistborn trilogy. So okay. He's one of that
1: crew. Got it. I'm gonna have to reread Mistborn, guys, because I don't remember what happens.
0: It's alright. Whoever this odium is, he's coming for Roshar. No! That sounds bad! Uh, in the part two letters, who you theorized... Who did you theorize uh, who wrote part two?
1: That was Hoyd writing it to somebody else.
0: Okay. All right. I'm going to... And, and if, again... Audience, the reason I'm telling this to Emily is if she were uh, an engaged Cosmere fan, she would have all these notes already. So this is is stuff you would have gathered from reading the books outside. And so I'm just going to give it to her because I am a benevolent sister. I appreciate you. uh, This is fun for you to know. So here is just a little bit of this letter. A.T. was once a kind and generous man, and you saw what became of him. Ray's, on the other hand, was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I'd ever met. He holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. Ponder on that for a time, and tell me if your insistence on non-intervention holds firm, because I assure you Ray's will not be similarly inhibited. One needs only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to cell, that's from a laundress, to see proof of what I have to say. In case you've turned a blind eye to that disaster, know that Aeona and Sky are both dead, and that which they have held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge rays. Uh Elantris, you know the, the Aeons? Mm-hmm. How they have kind of like pieces of magic? Uh, they are the splintered remains of one of these greater beings. Mm-hmm. So there you go.
1: Man, you guys didn't know you were getting off world uh lessons today.
0: I know. Uh this makes me think I might have misrepresented who Ray's was earlier. I might have said that Ray's was ruined last time we talked about this. And I don't think that's correct. <laughs> oh, I'll have to listen to that lesson that that uh episode again and put the fixer in front correct. of it because <laughs> Listen, you know how I said that this has been the busiest month? This has been a deeply busy year for me creatively, and my brain's a little scattered. Oh my gosh, you guys, I run this. I'm a temporary game master on this Star Trek RPG. (laughs) And last night, Star Trek, last night I closed out the session by telling the audience, may the force be with you. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, to end that up, Whoever's writing this letter says, I'm being chased. You're friends of the 17th shard, I suspect.
1: Ooh. I don't know what that means, but ooh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Odium reigns. So whoever Odium is, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, Caledon wakes up and all the bridgemen are wrestling him down. Hey, who does that sound like? Sounds like uh, Delinar. And uh, Delinar- it's
1: catching. The craziest catching.
0: <laughs> what are you talking about they've never met uh anyway yeah calvin tries to fight and like take all these men down and then tempt is like bloody pal and then he's like what you know sorry sorry i'm chill i'm fine what was i doing and moash is like you tried to go outside in the storm and uh and they were all trying to stop him and then they assume it's a fever dream from him still being sick Mm-hmm. Kaladin took a deep breath and threw back his shoulders, trying to force the fatigue away. The sphere in the corner flickered. Then its light faded away, leaving them in darkness. <laughs> storm it, Moash muttered. That eel, Gaz, he's been giving us done spheres again.
1: But uh, we know something's going on with Kaladin and taking up
0: all the, the stormlight. We do know something's going on. Um, and Kaladin finally uh, agrees to let Rock shave his face. And turns
1: out he has a face that uh, people would follow. He has a leader face.
0: Handsome (laughs) face. He does do a little bit of a slam against Dunny. Because Dunny's the last one who sits down for being shaven. And apparently he hardly needs it at all. Um, But then Kaladin has a really interesting conversation with Sixel About how much he hates the Light Eyes and sigsel asks would you cast down the light eyes and rule in their place and um surprisingly kaladin says no and everyone's
1: a little surprised because they're like well don't you want to punish the people who have wronged you and he's like oh yeah i want to do that but i'm not i'm not taking over for
0: them uh and then moash says i do it (laughs) uh if he's like if i were in charge things would be different the light eyes would work the mines in the fields. they would run bridges and die and Caliban's like eh that'll never happen um and then sigsel tries to give them a little bit of a uh, world civ lesson and he asks them about another land Barbatharnum. and emily how do they choose the rulers in Barbatharnum? it's by
1: age if you live long enough you get to be king, so everybody has a fair shot. And and Moash is like, well, that sounds fair. It's better than deciding who rules based on eye color. Do they? Does everyone have a fair shot? Well, if you're king, guess what you can do? You can execute anybody who's old enough to challenge you. So...
0: Yep, sounds like power corrupts.
1: And it says, uh, there's a great deal of unrest. It is dangerous to visit It was dangerous to visit when we did. And then the people in charge say um, they make very certain that their family members live the longest for 50 years. No one outside their family has become most ancient. All others have fallen through assassination, exile or death. (laughs) And so Sig's just like, so you see like age, eye color, uh, you know, it's
0: all potato, tomato,
1: tomato, potato. Power
0: corrupts. Power corrupts uh although i've heard i've heard a much more accurate uh statement of that is that power does not corrupt power reveals it gives you permission to do the things you've always secretly wanted and so a good person in power will do good and a bad person who gains power will do bad so it's not that power itself corrupts but it lets you be who you've always secretly wanted with fewer consequences Ooh, i like that And sometimes, no consequences. And so they go down into the chasms. Before they go down into the chasms, uh, it's time to get a new member of Bridge Four. Uh, So if you remember last time this happened, Kaladin got to pick who he wanted, and then he ended up picking Lopin. This time when he goes, it turns out Brightness Hashal is making the assignments now. Nobody gets to pick who they want from Gaz. And Emily... Who gets introduced to Bridge 4?
1: A Parshman, which throws everyone into a tizzy. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Which at first I was like, oh, come on, you you need all the people you can. But you've got to realize they're fighting this horrific war against the Parshendi. And if you were, here's the thing, I'm going to go on a little, little tangent. If you remember back yep. at the beginning of Shalon's chapter, we didn't really talk about it. But they talk about um, how they aren't even sure that these are people are related. Their skin color is just so similar that they assume that they are. But you remember the Parshmen have no extra armor. The Parshendi grow their own armor. Um, the Parshendi have their own language, their own music and everything, and the Parshmen do not. And so everyone just automatically assumes they're kind of from the same family tree. They might not be. We don't know yet. And so. Everyone's kind of freaking out. Because you remember. Their their goal is to go down. And learn how to fight. And learn how to protect themselves. Because they are going to all run away. And this wrench. Has been thrown into their. Carefully crafted system. And Kaladin's like. We've just got to keep gotta keep moving forward that's all we can do so he's just trying to roll with the punches
0: yeah and teft is like i'm gonna keep an eye on him i'm gonna i'll put a knife in his back should needs come to it because teft is gonna be zero trusting at all yeah. um and so this is something that Kaladin is really uh tumbling over in his head and he goes on a walk to talk about it um, and it's something he's picked up from his father. And it says, the older that Kaladin grew, the more he found himself imitating his father's habits. Like going for a walk like this uh, helps him think things over. And Syl, uh, he gets a chance to talk with Sill about this sort of stuff. And I want to jump in here that one of the reasons why Disney princesses usually have darling animal companions is so they can have someone to talk to and get their inner thoughts out to the audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see this a lot in specifically Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White. So this princess isn't just talking to the empty air. And I find it very charming that (laughs) Syl plays the same role, except unlike, well, I guess the mice in Cinderella talk, but um, she can actually converse with Kaladin. And it's a nice way of taking your character's interior monologue and making it external dialogue. Yeah. Um, instead of just reading, you know, Kaladin doing an, a mental soliloquy for three solid pages. <laughs> he is worried about getting the bridgeman up and out. And he's like, this escape is bigger than anything else I've ever planned. And, I, you know, I can't feel like I'm setting myself up for failure because we know Kaladin... Feels he's a little cursed. He talked about this way earlier in the book, but anytime he tries to help people, they die. And Syl says, it'll be different this time. I can feel it. And Kaladin says, that sounds like something Tien would have said. No. (sighs) But I can't ignore with what's happened to me. It started with Tien. Since that moment, it seems every time I've specifically picked people to protect, they've ended up dead every time it's enough to make me wonder if the almighty himself hates me Sill frowned i think you're being foolish besides if anything he'd hate the people who died not you <laughs> you lived and Kaladin says you know he, he mentions that it's a pattern it's getting harder and harder to ignore and so Syl asks well maybe the almighty is preserving you and then Kaladin stops and he's like you have just mentioned the almighty and Syl's like well yeah but I mean you mentioned it first he's like no 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 but do you believe in the almighty? Do you know if he exists? And Emily what's Syl's answer? She's like maybe
1: you know she's she's like well I don't know a lot of things but I should know this one so maybe like it sounds like she does but then when she stops and thinks about it she's just like
0: maybe? (laughs) So then he asks her something from his dream. And he asks, Syl, have you ever heard of something called odium?
1: Oh, and
0: how does she respond to that? She
1: hisses and races off. (laughs) The gal is just like, a bit, okay. (laughs) And uh, he doesn't get to think much about it, though, because there is a commotion in the street. (laughs) There is a uh, a courtesan who basically has asked for payment, and the um, the officer, her client, her client, um, quote unquote, apparently had issue with this and has thrown her out into the street. Like she's not very done up; like she's in a short sleeve dress and like all like her her um,
0: hand is exposed. Safe, <laughs> safe hand, Caledon. <laughs> It's like, oh, that's a girl's hand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this guy's throwing her out in the street. He's kicking her and he's just yelling at her and like insulting, uh, insulting this woman in front of everyone in the street.
1: Mm-hmm. And other like other soldiers are there watching. And there are other soldiers who actually come up because Kaladin's going to jump in and it's going to stop them. Right. Is, did I did I make that up?
0: You. No, you are correct. Uh, But they're not wearing the green coats of Sadius's officers. What color coats are they wearing?
1: They're wearing blue and they are very well put together, almost as if they are observing some sort of rule book that they live their life by. And guess who it turns out to be? It's Adolin! It's
0: Adolin! we've had such slight cross pollination between our point of view characters. Cause for one thing, Shalon is like so far away and she's been mentioned in Dalinar's chapters because she's manning the span read when he's talking with Yasna, mm-hmm. um, she, does, she does the drawing. Uh, but now this is the first time that Kaladin has got to be around one of our other point of view characters. <laughs> and uh, Emily, how does this scene go? um
1: basically he pulls out his shard blade and he's gonna like let's settle this here and now and the other guy like abruptly turns tail and is like nope nope (laughs) i'm out peace and so yeah the guy the guy like lost all face all
0: face emily this really reminds me of the scene in the Bible of Christ dealing with the woman who was taken in adultery, yes. <laughs> where like everyone around her is being very judgmental, and Adeline steps in, no judgment, helps her out of the situation, uh, and kind of disperses all the tension in the crowd. I, I don't know if it's a specific allusion to that. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying Adeline is Jesus. I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. But the feel of this scene was very similar. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I
1: do. A hundred percent.
0: Adolin is not okay. Jesus. <laughs> Adolin is not Jesus. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Kaladin is pretty upset about this. Uh, especially when Adolin turns to Kaladin and says, Oh, bridge boy. <laughs> And
1: Kaladin is so offended. So offended. Because he's like, you're not that much older than me. He doesn't say that, but he is just like, how dare you, sir? He doesn't know who this is.
0: Do you remember how old uh, Adolin is? Mm, 26.
1: Nope, that's 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 the king. That's Elokar. That's...
0: That's pretty close, though. Uh, I think he's 24 um, when this book starts, okay. either 23 or 24. And so Kaladin is 19 turning 20. Got it. Has Kaladin had a birthday in this book? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not that I've seen. Anyway, okay. um, he throws a, he tosses a um, a sphere. He pays Kaladin to go take a message saying that um, Adolin's not going to make it to the meeting. Um, He is escorting this woman basically back to her own place and Kaladin takes, takes the emerald chip and then doesn't deliver
0: the message. It's like two weeks of wages and he's not going to do it. Yeah. Um, here's a moment where I feel the take on this book between the privileged class and the disadvantaged class, I think is done a little clumsily. Mm hmm. Um, because the thing about privilege is that even though not all of the light eyes are horrible, they do all have the same level of privilege. Mm -hmm. And so when people are like, Kaladin, you can't hate all light eyes equally. The book is trying to do a hashtag, not all light eyes. Um, and even though we know that like Adolin is a kinder character than someone like Sadius. I don't think Kaladin is necessarily in the wrong in his distrust and hatred for them.
1: Because what has he
0: seen his whole life? Yeah. But the book will continue to paint his absolute hatred of all light eyes as a huge character flaw. And I don't think it's fair. And I don't think it's a nuanced enough take. Hmm. But I think it is an improvement in Brandon's writing you know uh compared to the scott and the nobleman uh class disputes in mistborn so it just it's not quite there for me especially because kaladin was very privileged as a dark eyes like growing up Mm -hmm. and he also had some classism issues with the people below him in rank as dark eyes and he definitely thought of them differently the, the discussion of, of that, like, racism and classism in this book is almost there, but not quite for me. And it would be, I think, the one the one flaw I have with these books. So, there you go. There you not go. Not a simp for everything. <laughs> <laughs> we found it. The one thing Megan dislikes about this series. <laughs> but still is pretty upset that Cal, you know, took the payment but didn't deliver the message.
1: Yeah, um, sh- and he says, well, Kaladin says, well, he treated me badly. And Syl's so like, he didn't. He and- really didn't. <laughs> and she basically tells him, like, you stop being yourself when you talk about the light eyes, and she doesn't like it. Yeah. But but here's the thing. Here's here's one thing. Mm-hmm. Because he says, the like, Kaladin's thinking about it. He's like, well, that guy did step up to help the woman. And then Kaladin tells himself that's not what happened he stepped up to embarrass Sadius's officers it was it was a, a personal vendetta it wasn't because he's a good person and so I'm just like okay it's interesting because you can make yourself believe anything you want and it's very difficult when someone comes to you with a completely opposite point of view And you got to try and put yourselves, at least in their shoes, to be like, why do they think this way? Like, trying to understand the other person's point of view, even if you don't agree with it, is an exercise in, a lot of times, hubris and humility.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, one more chapter to cover tonight. Listen uh last week when i was telling everyone what we're gonna read this week i was like we'll only cover two chapters and then i was reading it with emily i'm like "Mm, but we should really do three and i was like yeah because the last two chapters that's you know that's not enough pages to fill our quota we won't have enough to talk about forgetting just how much is in this so hey everyone welcome to this extra long super special episode of our podcast are you ready to talk about the last chapter
1: (laughs) Guess what happens in it, you guys? Guess. Guess. What guess. You will never guess. What happens is Kaladin... Is it a flashback? It's a flashback. Sorry, let's preface this. It is one year ago. And they are prepping for war, but not with the Parshendi. Um, he's in Amaram's army. Is that who it is? High Marshal Amaram's army? Uh-huh. They're getting ready to fight another Light Eyes, which I'm very confused about, Megan. Yeah so
0: uh so here is something so interesting about this chapter this chapter takes place in parallel with chapter one of the book um chapter one of the book is called storm blessed And this chapter, 47, is called Storm Blessings. And the first time through, we saw this from Sen's point of view. And now we're seeing the same event from Kaladin's point of view. We see him pay Gare uh, to get Sen on his squad. From Sen's point of view, we hear Kaladin say, I paid Gare so much money to get him. We see Dalit uh, prepping Sen and setting him up for the conflict. And then we see in Kaladin's point of view that, oh, yeah, his... uh, his sergeant Dalit is always uh getting his men ready and like getting ready to go and it's very interesting to see this same scene from kaladin's very experienced and like very knowledgeable point of view where like sen was terrified he didn't know what was going on and uh we see kaladin sorry i'm 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 skipping over this kind of like a a little bit more than I think we usually do, but... Because
1: um, there's something I want to talk about, so we got to get yeah. to that point.
0: So I'll I'll slow up a little bit, but Emily, when we read Chapter 1, I asked you, do you know who they're fighting against? And you're like, no, because Sun didn't know. The chapter didn't tell us. Um, but Kaladin lets us know they are fighting uh, somebody in the next High Princedom over. And... We know that the Alethi value war more than anything else. While the Ten Princes are having a united front at the Shattered Plains chasing the Vengeance Pact, their High Lords back home are fighting each other in the name of their High Princes.
1: Just to, like, keep limber or, like...
0: Yeah, to... Uh, they're squabbling over land. They're probably Ugh. squabbling over resources. Boys. Um, Because, you know, the... The lives of their soldiers probably don't mean much to the High Princes at all. Kaladin doesn't think we're going to see any shard bearers that day because the High Prince they're fighting against doesn't have any shards like to his name. So when the shard bearer does show up, it's a huge surprise. But yeah, uh, Emily, Alethkar is in a constant state of civil war. while they are in a foreign conflict
1: as well oh no that's very bad you guys that's that's bad country planning that's bad estate planning
0: (laughs) but emily the almighty values soldiers above everything and if they're good soldiers they'll fight in the tranquiline hills interesting Hmm. (sighs) now i'm very
1: Hmm. now i'm very um distracted by thinking about how bad of an idea this is.
0: <laughs> Remember when Kaladin was like, it's so pointless to be a bridgeman. And he was like, we're just out here as bait. It's just as pointless to be a dark eyed man in, a, in an army back home. Does he think that though? I don't know, but that's how I feel. Okay. I, I don't you. think he realizes it at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, listen. I think Brandon Sanderson does some really mean stuff in this chapter.
0: So, from Sen's point of view in chapter one. So, sorry, I skipped over a lot of the first half of this You are not going to let me finish it. my thought, are you? Well, I'm just jumping to, here's where we stopped Sen's point of view. The Shardbearer showed up and started riding towards him. And I'm only bringing this up because at the end of the chapter, you're like, what happened to Sen? Is he coming back later? Are we going to find out what happens to him? Hey, Emily, what happens to him?
1: Well, first of all, Kaladin keeps thinking him thinking of him as Tien. Shame on you, Brandon Sanderson. Shame on you. (laughs) Terrible. I hate it. Moving on. Um, I'm not going to read very much of this, but basically they get slaughtered. We see everyone die and Kaladin knows all of these people. It's not like he's been thrown into, like when he's on the bridge and the first run he made where like all these people were dying and he doesn't know their names. He knows all of these people. They're all his friends and he watches them. And like, it's not like gruesome, 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 but it's gruesome.
0: It's it's because it's a shard bearer. So it's not like limbs and intestines flying everywhere. Because Emily, what happens when someone's uh, killed with a shard blade?
1: Their eyes burn up. And that's it. And that's it. And if you, if you like cut it through their arm, it doesn't cut their arm, but like it severs the connection. So like it's useless forever. So I almost think it's, it's worth, okay, listen, I don't want to be gross or anything, but if that happens, does your arm rot? Do you have to get it cut off anyway? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't like, I don't like that my brain went there. Anyways, guys, guys. Guys! It happens. And ladies and envies. And everyone. Everyone <laughs> within the sound of my voice. Listen <laughs> up. Kaladin kills the shard
0: bearer and is eligible to pick up the shard blade. I want to put in a quick extra article of your sentence. Okay. He kills the shard bearer protecting Lord Amaram. That's right. Because isn't he like on the ground or something? Yeah. Yeah. Amaram's on the ground. His honor guard have run. It's just Kaladin and he takes out a full shard bearer, plate and blade. Something Seth was struggling to do in the prologue with his magic powers and extended magic powers. Yeah. Like, Kaladin kills a shard bearer and Amaram sees him do it. Uh, there aren't any other witnesses except for, I think, some of other Kaladin's, uh, Kaladin's other uh, squad men come up and they see it. And yeah, uh, Emily, you're right. That makes him eligible to claim the shards.
1: Yeah, um, because the reason they know that he's really killed this guy is the shard blade has fallen to the ground and it hasn't disappeared. This guy is dead. Because if you're alive and you let go of the shard blade, it disappears it so that your enemy can't take it. But if you're dead, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. And so, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, but
1: And so, like, hair. Kaladin's looking at it. It's like, it was a treasure. Men traded kingdoms for shard blades. The handful of dark-eyed men who had won them lived forever in song and story. But he has just seen this thing sweep through and kill all these people that he loves and he physically cannot bring himself to touch it. And he walks away from it. He walks away from it. Okay, and here's where my brain starts going because we don't know what happens between then and him becoming a slave because his life obviously went downhill after that battle. I don't know if they don't want word to get out and so they try and discredit him or if there's there's got to be some sort of sneaky dastardly plot going on which is why um i mean like okay megan you've got to tell me if this is insensitive i apologize um but there was a there was a an experiment where they sent like 10 sane people to like an insane asylum and they had to convince the uh doctors that they were saying and it took them a very long time because of course if you're in there you're gonna say i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and so i feel like if they wanted to cover something up they would put kaladin in like the lowest of the lowest of the low and so he's not in a position of power no one's going to believe him but amaram What are you doing? He saved your life. Megan, what
0: happens? I want to know. Um, well, then we're going to have to read the next couple chapters. But first, I have one flashback thing to point out to you uh, from Sen's point of view in the first chapter when he's watching Kaladin take out the group of men who are attacking him. When had Kaladin grabbed that knife? He spun between the last two, his spear a blur, wielding it like a quarterstaff. For a moment... Sen thought he could see something surrounding the squad leader. A warping of the air like the wind itself become visible. Is it Zell? She has mentioned stuff about this battle that day, so I think that's a good connection. And then the second thing I want to mention is Sen does not get killed by the shard blade. Uh, He dies because the shard bearer trampled him with his horse. Mm. And... uh, I blocked that out. Kaladin... Yeah, Kaladin is, is trying to do surgeon stuff to him on the field. Um, and he's like, I, you know, I don't know how to, I can't do anything field medic-wise for a smashed rib cage." And then Sen stopped wheezing. He convulsed once, eyes still open. He watches, the boy hissed, the black piper in the night. He holds us in his palm, playing a tune that no man can hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Well... This brings us to the end of this week's episode. <laughs> we are careening to the end of part three. And so next week's reading assignment is going to be the end of part three. So that will be chapter 48, Strawberry. And chapter 49, To Care. And chapter 51, non and we're going to include the interludes and i know that's that's six different slices but uh that's going to be a total of 54 pages so that's that's about what we've been covering this time because guess what guys i want to read about seth so yes you do suck it up and in fact the interludes are from people called baxil gerenid and seth thought about telling you a false name for a second just to freak you out <laughs> i would have
1: been mad
0: uh thanks everyone for listening you can find us on twitter at cis made me it and you can catch me on twitter tumblr and insta at thirdchildart. all spelled out one word
1: and you can also find us on instagram at cis made me it
0: you can find us on Instagram. It's mostly going to be pictures of our pets.
1: It really is mostly going to be pictures of our pets. Just so you guys know, if you're having a bad day, come look at our cute, cute puppy dog and kitty cats.
0: Uh, you are all amazing, um, but I have to get back to storyboarding.
1: I have to get back to writing my book, which I'm very excited I about. I
0: believe in you too.
1: Oh, now I don't know what to say, but... uh.
0: Oh, oh, I know what to say. Emily, what's going to happen directly next for shallan
1: oh 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 that's a good question because oh we forgot to talk about something about shallan because she's thinking about how she doesn't want to go doesn't want to go doesn't want to go doesn't want to go she wants to stay yeah. here and she's <laughs> like oh i could just send the i could just send the soul caster with in the mail in the mail basically like just gonna mail it like and I'm like, that's what I've been saying you should do. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I've definitely been like, well, why don't you just send it in? Anyways, so I, she's going to have to decide. I don't, here's the thing. Did she destroy her paintings all along the way? Because the first time that she drew the figures with the King of Carbranth, she burned the picture, if I believe,
0: if I'm remembering correctly. I'm thinking. Uh, I, I Yeah, I think she, she tore it up. She's like, oh, you can't look at this.
1: I think Yasna is going to get a hold of these extra pictures and realize Shalon is much more valuable than she initially thought. Um, I think Shalon is going to become research for Yasna and Shalon's not going to be allowed to leave.
0: I'm trying to find what she does with her pictures. All right.
1: Because also when she's talking to Capsule and she tells him that she's leaving... He kind of susses out the reason. Um, he's like, "Oh, is your father ill?" And she's like, "How? Did, what? Did, how did you know?" But she doesn't say that. But she's kind of like, "Uh." And he's like, "Well, the the reports are basically that he's more reclusive than usual." And she's like, "Oh my gosh, it's come all the way out here to Carbranth. This, you know, that something's up." So she really wants to go home. So. I'm thinking she's not going to get to go home. That was a very long explanation to what I think is (gasps) going to happen.
0: Uh, To answer your question, she puts the whole sketch pad drawings intact in her trunk. Um, And one of the reasons, because you mentioned, you're like, why would Yasna think that, oh my gosh, it's one of the 10 essences? It's because Yasna, uh, sorry, Shalon's like, I wasn't wearing the Soulcaster, but I've accidentally used it anyway. Yasna will recognize because her... Garnet is attuned to blood soul casting. And so, Shalon's like, she'll put those pieces together. Got it. But, um, so, there you go. There's the epilogue to our podcast episode. <laughs> uh, we've already done the whole closer. So, so come give us a review. We want to hear about you. We want
1: to hear what you think. Uh, come leave us a message on Twitter. Uh, we will try and respond as we can. As you know, Megan's life is just super crazy. And I work a regular nine to five job, so we'll just try and get back to you. But we'd love to hear from you. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for being awesome. And we will see you on the next episode when we see you. Bye. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> okay, I'm hitting stop. Now. Okay, bye.
0: Again for tuning in to my sister made me view it books edition covering the Way of kings and I want to give a special shout out to two Discord's worth of friends. one hello to everybody on the bridge for Discord. Uh, I get so excited every time we talk about this podcast and then also hello to some of my friends from the unspoiled podcast Discord. You are all real life friends of the pod and I love and value all of you. If any of you like the style of coverage that Emily and I do, you will be huge fans of the Unspoiled Podcast Network, which covers way more titles than me and Emily do. Uh my favorites are the Dresden Files coverage and the Harry Potter coverage with Natasha and Rashawn and I have of course been a patron for ages, and therefore also enjoyed the Mistborn coverage done by Natasha and Miles. But if you like this sort of one person knows what's going on and one person doesn't, go take a listen to the Unspoiled podcast. But if you're like, no, I refuse to listen to anyone except Emily and Megan, great news. A week from today, Thursday, February 10th, we will be releasing our next episode in our Roswell coverage, 1999, and then the week following on thursday february the 17th we're back with more way of kings it's deeply exciting listen it's thursday when it comes out friday's not too far away and i wish you all a pleasant weekend after that i'm gonna sign off for now i believe in you